Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. All right, hey guys, we're still in class six. This is session two. No, we're in seven, sorry. Um, this is section two. Then we just looked at the eye. Um, had a picture of the eye. Now you'll note this is a little bit different picture of the eye, but it's trying to point out for you um, where some of the problems that might come in and what you might see. Um, we're actually going to start, I guess we should start over on the right because that's what we were talking about first. All right, so um, you'll see the little purple square that says lens underneath it and it's talking about damage to the lens is clouding a vision it's pointing to that lens right behind the pupil now over time there is going to be just some clouding there it's kind of like protein deposits that just sort of build up in your eye it's very gradual it'll yellow over time you, you won't be aware of that as it's happening um, but if it starts to get really clouded, you'll see kind of a milky look to the eye, and that's what we call a cataract. Um, again, today, these are not that bad. The surgery is just so simple. It's outpatient today. It used to be a bad surgery. Um, they just dilate your pupil, go in and kind of shatter that lens up with a laser and, you know, take it out and pop you in a new one um, that has again, your prescription in it, and you'll see quite a bit better. And usually folks don't have bad reactions to that at all. All right, you'll note the green is down there where we're talking about the aqueous humor. And some of the ligaments there, there are muscles um, within that eye. All right, what you might see here sometimes is that the, um, the canal there that's supposed to drain some of that aqueous humor and keep it at a kind of a steady level will have some issues and back up and that's going to be a buildup of fluid which is actually going to push on the lens the lens is going to push onto the vitreous humor which is not orange here it's a big white thing and that's going to press back on your retina and that pressure buildup is what we call glaucoma and if you've been to the eye doctor and they did the little puff of eye puff of air in your eye that was a check to see if you're having issues with glaucoma um my mom does she just takes drops for it it's really not a, a huge big deal for her as long as she takes her drops but if you don't then the buildup on the retina will eventually cause some damage to the retina and there will be result of blindness and it's going to be one of those things you never feel anything um, and it just suddenly you're not going to be able to see and it's going to be quite frightening um, You can see the retina is colored in purple as well or lavender maybe and um, it's pointing to the back of the eye that make, it goes as you can see all the way around but Damage here can come from glaucoma as we mentioned note also it can come from other issues to the retina um, Retinopathy of prematurity is something that comes from having preterm babies that we give oxygen to and the oxygen damages the back of their eye um, You can have a detached retina uh, Where it just kind of pulls away from the back of the eye and tears and that can cause a lot of vision problems and um, diabetes um, can also cause some of the, the retinopathy back there that, that's really, really bad. All right, you'll note too that you've got a kind of little orange section called the macula, and it is right near your optic nerve. 
All right, and you may have heard of macular degeneration before. We don't see this one through the kids. Um, this is more of an older person's issue. And here, what you're going to start to see is in your field division, right where you would be focusing, you're going to start to get a little hole. And it's, it's, you're not going to be able to, it's sort of like a gray, fuzzy thing. And then you'll see around it. Right, so just as you're looking at the picture, if we were looking at this, it would be right where the eye is. And it would just be a gray spot. And it would get bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually you don't see anything. Um, and that can come um, over time, usually with age. People who do smoke tend to have a lot more problems with this. Um, I have an aunt who smoked and she had really bad issues with this and really couldn't see at the end of her life. Um, so, you know, the things that would require a lot of detail are going to be really difficult because you don't see clearly anymore so you can't read um, for example um, your optic nerve as you can see is the pink up there and if you have damage here there can be tumors and there can be atrophy and um, the eye may work fine but the image that is then headed to the brain is gonna um, not be very clear and your brain won't have enough to work with um, there and we don't usually need to worry too much about the cones that's the blue but since it's here let's just look at it and you can note that the cones that are in that macula area um, if there's damage there you might not see well with color and contrast um, so we don't worry as much about those issues as we might with some of the others all right, so when we look at a functional vision assessment uh, or an FEA, what we're trying to do is to see how well a student uses the vision that they have. Um, some just do better, um, even with less. So we're running this assessment that's called a functional vision assessment, and it's given us a lot of information about the student's vision. Um, we will have to get a medical report from an ophthalmologist, um, preferably with optometrists can do it, but we usually use the ophthalmologist here because we may need surgery for these kids' eyes at some point. And it's going to help us decide what to do for the IEP as we're setting up. Um, do we need large print? Do we need Braille? You know, how much actual help um, is this child going to need in the classroom? Um, so, again, the, the medium for learning that we need. And um, a lot of times what we'll see is a shift to not go to Braille unless we just absolutely have to. Braille is not that easy to learn. Um, we have so many options now with the larger prints and books on tape and, you know, things that are available. Um, so we're trying to just decide, you know, where's the best fit for this person and do they really need this school for the blind? Um, you know, are we going to be able to teach them Braille? And, and little kids pick it up easy, older kids won't. So that learning medium is just what uh, we'll do an assessment of media. You know, first off, it's, you know, are they capable of uh, running a computer. Some of these children, this is the only um, disability they'll have. Others, you know, may have some other issues as well, and they can't, maybe there's some cognitive problems, and maybe they can't learn, you know, how to use a computer appropriately, and we're going to have to go a different way. So we're just trying to figure out what can this child do. All right, here's some options. Obviously, the Braille. I'll show you a little bit more about that coming up. Um, the print, the there's just a lot available there. Um, these books are usually provided free um, to the student. There's um, different organizations that will do that. Um, we have a center here. I'm in Jackson. Um, we have a center that provides these kinds of things um, for the students. And they just have to ask. Um, sometimes an audio tape, if a, a book is out and it's not available yet in large print or on Braille, um, we can literally get a student in the same class. 
um, to read it into a tape player. They've got to read it anyway, and we pay them to read it. Um, and then the student who needs it has it on tape. Um, so those are oftentimes available. And there's a lot of access technology out there that's very, very helpful um, to the blind. The, the GPS that you guys use was actually designed for people who are blind to help them be able to navigate uh, by telling them where to go because they couldn't see it. Um, so what we're trying to do in the IEP team is just know, you know, what do we need to do to make the accommodations necessary um, for this child to be able to succeed with the material we're trying to teach them. All right, so when we look at visual impairment, hopefully you guys have all been in the doctor and you've used a Snellen chart before. Um, it's a screening tool that lets us see what we think the child can see in terms of acuity. Um, it does have a few limitations because the really close objects, it's not going to tell you how great an acuity you have for that. It's really looking at that, you know, 20-20 vision, how far back you see what 20 feet. Um, and visual acuity isn't always the same as visual efficiency. So some folks have really good vision and they don't use it well. And others are going to have less strong vision and they use it quite well. Right, so it's really more, we're really more concerned with how are you going to do in your natural settings. I mean, is this acuity that you have going to allow you to get a, a random function and do the things that you would need to do in your day? So we do a functional visual assessment as well as we mentioned. All right, here's, here's a, a Snellen chart. Um, and so you can see that it's on the left and you, hopefully you've read these before and you've got your 2020 line right over the red line. All right, and if you were able, you know, in the chair to read that line, you would be at 20-20. Now, if you go lower, you're getting to be like 20-15, and you've got really good vision. All right, you can see that we've got one, the D stands for diopter, two stands for um, two diopters, and so forth. And this, here's a rough rule at the top, as you can see, 2100 is the negative one, the one diopter. So if you're seeing at 2100, you're seeing the chart right next to the chart with the line around it. And that's the level that you have to see to get accepted into this goof for the blind. So you can see that I can see something, but I certainly can't read the 2020 run. So I'm not gonna be able to read print. Um, the two diopters is a 2200, and the three diopters is a 2300. And, and clearly we're struggling a bit there. Um, if a child can't read, they do have charts for this. They have some with arrows that you would um, just tell where the arrow pointed up, down, left, right. Um, sometimes they just use the E's and they'll point which way the E goes. So um, there are things that we can do to test the littler kids who, who really don't know their letters yet. Um, okay, so let's look at causes. Some folks are born with various issues with their eyes and these are called congenital vision impairments um so it's either right at birth that you know could have happened developmentally while they're you know in utero um but note it could happen just before vision memories are established and it does take um, a number of months before we really do have very strong mem memories from being young. Most of us don't have good even visual memories of being under two. Um, so somewhere in that range is what we would usually be calling congenitally blind. 
adventitiously blind is or having a visual impairment is when you've had something happen to your eyes you know for a long time you saw normally and there may be a vision loss of some kind now this could be a trauma um i went to high school with with this kid and um he went out on halloween and there were people throwing eggs and the shards of the eggs hit him in his eyes and he actually lost sight in both eyes and went blind and um, really, you know, had to learn then to adapt to a life without being able to see. Um, someone who has macular degeneration, same kind of deal. They would have to learn to adjust um, to a vision loss. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a trauma, but oftentimes it will be. Um, other causes um, that are out there. Um, big things that cause problems for children and for adults, probably the biggest thing are going to be what we call refraction errors. These are actually the most common kinds of issues that you're going to see. Um, if you have myopia, you may have heard the term being nearsighted, but the, the formal term is myopia. You have an eyeball that is a little bit longer than the typical shape. So the image, remember that eye with the little pansy, it fell on the retina? Well, this image was going to fall somewhere in the vitreous humor. It's not going to make it all the way back to your retina. Therefore, you see pretty well up close, but you don't see well far off. I actually have this, and as a kid, um, I would put the book, if I didn't have glasses on, they didn't catch me for a while, I'll tell you that later. All right, I would hold the book right up to my nose, and I would be able to read just fine. I right, couldn't see anything far off, um, but I could at least get through with reading. I always like to read. Um, glasses are designed a lot of times, there's certain way that you fix the glasses to, to adjust for this, and a lot of folks with myopia really can get fixed with glasses or even contacts, and they're not severe enough to, to need special ed. Hyperopia is farsightedness, and this is an eyeball that's actually shorter, so the image that pansy would fall behind the retina somewhere. This person sees well in the distance, but they can't see the things in front of them to read, and so they're going to really need glasses probably just for things like reading, um, not going to be able to see well to do that type of thing. Now, this is not the same thing as when you get old and you need reading glasses because you have what we call presbyopia, which is old eye and your muscles don't work well. Astigmatism is talking about the surface mainly of the cornea, but sometimes it's the lens. Remember, those are our two big focusing um, parts and they're not smooth. Um, there's some irregularity, bumps, ridges, valleys, that kind of thing. And so um, a contact won't fit nice and smoothly over that cornea either, although there are some special ones that you can get. Um, those are all going to cause, those refraction errors are, are going to cause some issues with your sight. Sometimes there's a disease um, like meningitis that could cause some, some problems with your eye. And again, damage like being hit with a baseball or um, those like my friend, the shards of eggs, things like that. Um, there are some things that are just likely to affect adults, and glaucoma, as we mentioned, is one of those. Um, the cataracts usually don't come in until usually like 65 and up. Um, occasionally, there'll be someone younger, um, but there, there's usually a reason. Uh, I've actually had cataract surgery on both my eyes, but it was caused by 
retinal surgery and the instruments that they used on my eyes actually caused the cataracts to form very, very quickly. Um, so I've had that surgery as well and I wasn't quite that old uh, as you would normally expect. And actually there was a two-year-old in having the same thing when I was having mine. Diabetic retinopathy comes from diabetes and it's actually one of the more dreaded um, side effects of having diabetes is that you might begin to have some cells dying off in the, uh, the retina and you begin to, um, you really see something that looks sort of like you're looking through spider webs and so you've got these black specks all across your eyes but you see here and there and eventually it is going to cause blindness so uh, something to definitely be managed if you have diabetes.